Living longer, keeping your mind longer, something most of us want. A number of high-tech companies are investing millions in research for the perfect drug concoction to increase one's lifespan, and new drugs are on the horizon. Ray Kurzweil, a former Google engineer who claims to predict the future. He says by 2030, humans will have reached immortality. Maybe it will be possible to live longer. But immortality? The Bible says no way. Scripture says everyone will die someday, an appointed day. Jesus was led like a lamb to slaughter. Mark says he was led to the high priest, led to Pilate, led to the cross. Jesus intentionally allowed this to happen. He could have stopped them, but he chose to become the sacrificial lamb for us before the resurrection three days later. Now he is risen, and the tone changes. He was led. Now he leads as the good shepherd of his sheep. Are you in step with Jesus? Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story with you that's all about Jesus, and this is a program on this Wednesday called Gospel Winds in Cuba. Joining me again is our new El Faro de Redención speaker and Spanish director, Danny Rojas. Reverend Rojas, thanks for joining me from Miami. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, the end of last week, just before Easter, you and I were in Cuba, and we led a conference with 50 pastors and spouses. We led them through the great themes of a great book, the small book of four chapters in God's Word, where the Greek noun and verb for joy and rejoice show up 14 times more than any other book in all the Bible. I'm talking about Philippians. And even more, we studied the 37 times that that phrase in Greek in Christo, in Christ in English, shows up in Paul's letter. Certainly more times than any other book in all the Bible. Well, in a few minutes, Danny's going to be joining me again. We're going to look at the great themes explored in Philippians chapter 2, which features what has been called through the centuries the Christ hymn. And we'll also hear the story told by a pastor of how in the hard times, when Bibles were few and churches were banned, the Lord used that time to bring his father to faith, to find a Bible when Bibles were hard to come by, and even learned to read God's Word when he couldn't even read or write. It's a remarkable story from Cuba, a miraculous story that I've heard in other places in the non-Western world, and the Spirit is still on the move. Nowhere in Cuba can Christians minister to Christians on the airwaves except through El Fado de Redención. And you can be a part of reaching over 11 million Cubans every day. And this week, I want you to join us and become an ambassador of the gospel through your giving. Will you join us in what the Lord is doing in Cuba through our crucial Spanish ministry, El Fado? We need to raise $65,000 to cover the cost of broadcasting all across Cuba over the next two months. Whether you can send us $50 or $500 or $5,000, your gift will make an eternal impact on the largest island in the Caribbean and even the far-flung reaches of the Spanish-speaking world. So after the program, would you call us and make your gift to Haven Today at 865-HAVEN. 
800-65-HAVEN or go online at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And when you do get in touch with us, make sure you identify your gift to help spread the gospel in Spanish. Now, I want you to take a listen. Here is what praise and worship sounds like in Cuba. Jesus El Macias, followed by the English Jesus Messiah from Passion, featuring Chris Tomlin from the Passion album Awakening. Pecado se volvió, aunque no lo conoció, fuimos hechos en él, justicia de Dios. El se humilló, llevando la Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, and this is a program called Gospel Winds in Cuba, our series this week, the week after Easter. Danny, yesterday on the program, we talked about Philippians 1 and what I shared with those pastors who gathered together. 
all of them filling up their plates full with food, but then we were serving up food from God's Word. And after I finished with Philippians 1, you moved into Philippians 2, but I'll let you take it from here, but I should mention to our listeners, chapter 2 really starts at the end of chapter 1, doesn't it? Yes. So we took a look at Philippians chapter 2, but we we look at verses 27 through 30 of chapter 1 because it's really the setup for chapter 2. And I'll read a little bit of it. It begins in verse 27 with, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. What a great intro to what really should have been chapter two. And Danny, it was amazing to watch the faces of those who were with us. They were hanging on to your every word. I don't think most of them had ever actually taken two days to study all of the book of Philippians. But as you open then in chapter two, it just keeps getting better, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So, you know, with chapter one, he he lets them know that his focus is that standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. But now in chapter two, he begins to call them to focus on unity, focus on having sympathy and, and, and working together. So he begins with his plea and he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. So he, he points out to them these things, these benefits that they've received from Christ. He's saying, I want to call you to do something that's difficult. It's hard, especially in a world that's very self-centered and very individualistic. It's hard to value others the same way that you value yourself. But he says, this is the motivation. Christ has comforted you. He's encouraged you. The comfort from love, some scholars think that that points to the love of the Father, and maybe Mm -hmm. it does, but it's still in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we, we do see the Trinity here, but we see encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the spirit. And then he, he says any affection and sympathy. And that word affection is the word bowels. You know, he says, if, if in Jesus you've been affected deeply, then there's just one more thing I'm asking of you. And this will make my joy complete. You know, he appeals to them as, as their spiritual father. And he says, please make my joy complete with this. Be of the same mind. What a great encouragement for us. And of course, Philippians is written uh, as a thank you letter. Uh, He was thanking them for all their help in sending gifts. Paul didn't normally ask for help financially, but they had sent help to him anyway, and it turned out to be a time when he needed it the most. And he's writing this missionary thank you letter to them while in chains, probably in Rome, most scholars think that, and also There were people even in Caesar's palace in Rome that were coming to faith in the gospel. And then 
Danny, let's just keep moving on, because after you cover that in Philippians 2, we get to what has been called through the centuries the Christ hymn. That's right. And uh, it doesn't get better. This is the sweetest hymn in all the Bible. You take it from there. Preach to me. Sure. Well, and and the point, I think, and it's important to understand this, is that the Christ hymn, as beautiful as it is, is there to make his point. In other words, he's saying, if you're going to have unity, you need to understand why we have unity. And it's because of this. And, and the word, the word think is, is a word that actually appears 10 times in different, different forms throughout the book of Philippians. And it has to do with an, an intentional thought focus it says, get this right. What did Jesus do? Jesus, even though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he didn't take advantage of the fact that he was eternally and continues to be eternally the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. He doesn't take advantage of that, but rather it says he empties himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul is telling them, Jesus, who could have said, hey, I'm the boss. I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He humbles himself. He says, I'm not going to take advantage of that. I am going to now submit to this plan that the Father and the Son and the Spirit have made together in eternity to save us. And then he's essentially telling them, if Jesus did that, then you ought to do the same. Humble yourself. Christ is our example, in other words. Yes. Wow. But not just that. <laughs> there's more, it's not as just I like that. to say. There's more. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm going to use that phrase, but there's more, right? Yes. So it's not, just, it's not just that Christ is our example, but it's also that in Christ, this is what we are to become. It's not just the idea of him being our example, but that in Christ, we have this spirit-empowered ability to become what God has called us to be. And he points that out later, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So that's, that's, the, that's the beginning of this wonderful, wonderful chapter. And, and then, as the Christ hymn ends, there's this admonition from Paul that everything we do, we do without grumbling. And I'm going to let you chew on this with me a little bit. There's that interesting phrase that he talks about, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Oh, yes. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? And a lot of people have debated through the centuries, what does that mean, working out your salvation with fear and trembling? But that's what Paul says to do. That's what he says. And I would love to say that it's simple and it's easy to explain. And in a sense, it is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do that. But he says in the very next phrase, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So even this idea of working out our own salvation with fear and trembling is done from a position of rest because we're already in union with Christ by faith. Now we trust that God is working in us. It is he who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure, but we work it out. In other words, we participate in Christ completely relying on his power, believing that he's the one that puts these desires in us and he's the one that, that is going to give us the ability to do it. Mm. 
good explanation, I think. And then, of course, we we move on, and 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 he talks about the world in which they were living as children of God. Yes, but it really hasn't changed. We're living in that same world today, aren't we? That's right. A crooked and twisted generation is what Paul calls it. And I'm holding a version in my hand that actually uses the word warped, warped and crooked generation. That was then, (laughs) but also God's word applies to the now as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. That was then, but but our our present reality is, is really not very different. The people that we live amongst... The, the society, the culture that we're a part of continues to be crooked and twisted as people turn away from God intentionally, you know, rejecting, rejecting the one who would give them life, the one who's given them life to begin with. But he tells us, and I love, I love this phrase. He says, holding fast to the word of life hmm. in, in Christ, we have life and we hold fast to that life that we have in Christ, that word that's been spoken, which is Christ given for us, for the f- forgiveness of our sins, for eternal life, right? We hold fast to that and we say, mm-hmm. God, with your help, I can become what you've called me to be. With your help, and, and more important, we can become what you've called us to be together. And and then we've already had the amazing Christ hymn before this, but as chapter Two moves on. Paul moves into these poetic lines. Then, in in uh, I guess it comes in uh, chapter fifteen, and and it keeps going. In in fact, why don't you just share that with us? It's so poetic by the apostle there. Well, yes, it is. That well, the the phrase that we just read calls them to be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine. Here's the beauty as lights in the world. What, I mean, what a call Mm -hmm. we, we shine as lights in the world. When, when we're holding fast to the word of life, if we're holding fast to our own righteousness, to our own purpose, to our own goals, to our own agenda. But when we're holding fast to Christ, when he is our only hope, then we shine as lights in the world. Mm. And then, of course, why are we doing that? We hold firmly so that he may be able to boast on the day of Christ. And and that's, we pointed this out when we were teaching those Cuban pastors that day of Christ, day of the Lord, the second coming shows up four times in the little book of Philippians, more than any other book in the entire New Testament. We have something to look forward to as we shine as stars in the skies, holding firmly to the word of life. Wow, it doesn't get better than that, following Jesus. Amen. Praise God for the work that he was doing in Philippi, and praise God for the work that he's doing in Cuba today. I think that's a great encapsulation of Philippians 2 for everybody today. But I want us now to go and meet a pastor in Cuba, and while we were there, we were speaking and, and teaching Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterian pastors touched by the greatest revival in the Western Hemisphere, pastors from denominations that we may have never heard of in North America. And we were there on a Saturday at the dedication of a new Assemblies of God church building in one of the poor sections of Havana. And we handed out Bibles to all the children and teens who had never owned a Bible before. And with 
United Servants Abroad, we plan on installing a clean water system to serve the neighborhood as the church offers living water in Jesus. And then we met Moises Rodriguez. He's the assistant district superintendent. And we started hearing his story and had to turn on a microphone all of a sudden because he shared how the Lord reached out to his father in what has been described as the hard times in Cuba. They're hard now, but they were hard earlier. So I want us to listen in now to this poignant story of how the Lord worked. Okay, mi papá era un joven de 16 años que vivía en una zona remota del país de Cuba. My father was a 16-year-old youth living in a very rural part of Cuba. Año 1954. Um, 1954. Escuchó por primera vez el evangelio. And he heard the gospel for the first time. Unos misioneros fueron a su barrio. Some missionaries came to his neighborhood. A Cristo, they preached Christ. Y él entendió el evangelio. And he understood the gospel. Pero no sabía leer. But he couldn't read. Así, aún así él compró una Biblia. But even so he went out and purchased the Bible. Y comenzó a hojearla. They began to page y through it. Y hacer una oración todos los días. And every day he would pray. La oración decía the prayer would go like Señor, this. Si me enseñas a leer, Lord, if you teach me how to pray, toda la vida, I'll serve you all my life y una familia para ti. and I'll raise up a family for you. A los 15, días, 15 days later, así, praying in that way, una luz de Dios que lo he felt like a, a light from God illuminated y him. Leyendo, and he could read. Pero como un but reading at a university level, Mi college papá level. Una expresión y un lenguaje, my, my father has a way si of expressing himself pero nunca uh, fue uh, a la escuela. Language, uh, uh, dom dominance of the language as if he had gone to college. But he never did. Salió por el barrio. He went out in the neighborhood. Tocó las puertas. Knocked on doors. Y le dijo a la gente, miren lo que Dios ha hecho. And he would tell people, look what God has done. Como todo el mundo lo conocía. And everybody knew him. Se convirtieron. They so knew he they, couldn't read. Right, so they, so they converted. Because, y se convirtieron las personas. They came to faith in Christ. Y él fue pastor desde antes de ser bautizado. And so he became a pastor before he was even baptized. <laughs> Let me just say, in North America, nobody believes that that can happen today. But we serve a big God who does make things like that happen and still works miracles, doesn't he? Pero es un milagro viviente. Yes, it is a living miracle. Eh, mi papá es conocido por toda Cuba. He's known all over Cuba. Tuvo siete hijos. He had seven Todos kids. They're all believers. Cinco somos pastores. Five of us are pastors. Y toda mi parentela es cristiana. And all of my relatives are Christians. Uh, nadie se ha apartado. Not one has fallen away. Because we have this extraordinary evidence of the existence of God in the life of my father. And yes, it's a miracle that the human mind can't grasp. Pero por eso es un milagro. But that's what makes it a miracle. What a powerful story of how God works in remarkable ways still today. Danny Rojas with me. We've been together teaching in Cuba. Do you mind leading us in prayer right now, not just for ourselves, but for the gospel to keep going forth in Cuba? Yes, my brother. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for testimonies such as these, Lord. And it humbles us to see what you're doing in places like Cuba. God, how you are doing things that sound like they come out of the book of Acts. But God, you're good and you're faithful. So we just pray that the gospel would continue to go out with boldness. Lord, thank you that you allow El Faro and, and, and the Haven listeners to be a part of what you are doing in this part of the world that so, so badly needs the gospel. Lord, we thank you for the, the, the things that we've seen 
And we thank you in advance for the things that are yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Haven Today, Gospel Winds in Cuba, with programming coming out of Cuba this week. Here it is Wednesday. And I'm asking you, if you're listening today to this broadcast, to join our team with El Fado and Haven Today and help this most amazing grace endeavor. So let me ask you right now, will you participate and partner in what the Lord is doing through this Cuba broadcast and broadcast all over the Spanish world every day? We need to raise $65,000 to continue sharing the hope of Christ for the next few months. It's not inexpensive to reach Cuba. The radio signal we use to Cuba is on another Caribbean island, 500,000 watts of power off the island of Bonaire. But broadcasting across the Caribbean and to a lot of other places as well. So whatever you can send, maybe it's $100 or maybe it's $1,000 or $10,000 like someone recently did. You can help us reach more than 11 million Cubans with the good news of Jesus Christ. Your gift will make an eternal impact in Cuba, the Caribbean, and the far-flung reaches of the Spanish-speaking world. Would you go online right now and make your gift for the Spanish-speaking world to meet Jesus? Just go to haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. Or call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. And be sure and tell us this is for the Spanish program. And pray before you call or go online. I'm Charles Morris with Danny Rojas. Thank you so much for joining us. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together... We'll share this great story that's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Doesn't it seem like we're always losing in life? We struggle with health problems, we lose a job we enjoyed, cherished relationships are strained, If we're honest, sometimes it seems as though sin and darkness are winning the battle. But the resurrection reminds us that this is not the end of our story. The resurrection was the greatest event in history, not just because we are saved by faith in Christ, though that's true. The resurrection is a reminder that the days of sin, death, and darkness are numbered. It may seem like we're losing in life, but we are promised an eternal victory. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Get daily encouragement with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.